Yeah, so what happened with Chloe, I remember now in the first session that she, so we started walking together and she was lunging towards Nookie and I had to put pressure on her to be like, you're not allowed to do that. Someone needs to take control over the wall. Yeah. Now, and others, you represent your dogs in that situation. That too, for sure. Yeah. Chloe needs to learn how to be on the lead. Now, people will disagree with this because they come from different methods of training. And they go, why are you putting pressure on a dog that's stressed? Well, she's putting pressure anyway. Well, any on dog the on a leash is by definition has has pressure on it. Well, at some stage, put some pressure yeah. on it, especially if she's lunging. So yeah. how I like to deal with it, and it works, and it's worked for Chloe, because she can walk past dogs now, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, is that um, I need to teach her the rules of the walk. And when I say pressure, we're not like choking the dog out, and we're not like going crazy with her in terms of like hard corrections. No. Where if she went to go in front of me to get towards Nookie, the pressure goes onto the collar. As soon as she comes back next to me, I release the pressure. i got to show her that it's more important to be focusing on the on the job that you have rather than everything else that's around. Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostu. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. All right, we're back. Another episode. Living with a fearful dog. That's it. Um, It's an issue that I guess a lot of people have to deal with. Um, And actually, interestingly, I noticed that just looking back at our episodes on on Podbean, on our podcast server, um, the episode that we did on- that we did on aggression was actually- like I think it's the second or third most popular episode, mm. even though it came out quite late in the piece. Yeah. In terms of, uh, you know, it's outranking, it's outperforming where you would expect it to be based on when it was released. So, for sure. The point being that I think aggression and fear, um, I mean, it's a big part of what you have to deal with in your day to day work with the dogs as well. So, yeah, big time. Good. Well, look, fear creates reactivity can create aggression or anxiety so yeah people that are struggling with the the fear with their fearful dog becomes very hard to get some really good advice because you've got to do it in the flesh rather than like obedience training you can take on some concepts and practice it yeah but when it comes to fear it's how the dog perceives the world and that can be very hard to change that perception Mm so yeah it's cool that hopefully this benefits everyone and um that's why we we do it that's it you've been well i've been well um yeah, uh, we we got some uh, big rain finally in Sydney, thankfully, um, and it is making an impact on the the bushfires as well. So, yeah, it's really good. Probably, God a little, sent. probably a little bit too much in too short a time, but we'll be grateful for. Hopefully, for there's it no is. big flash floods anywhere, but we're happy that the rain's finally here. So, yeah, thankfully it's um dropped off a little bit so that it the microphones aren't picking it up too much. So, uh, we got lucky, but, uh, yeah. Well, you do good at, at editing. And there's <laughs> never really any disturbances, that, so that's all good. Well, we'll get right into it, hey? Um, as again, management's always number one, right? Mm. You want to – if you live with a fearful dog and you're not managing the situation 100%, well, then you're setting your dog up for failure and we want to set them up for success so then they can move through every situation as, as um, confidently as possible so then for the next time that situation arises – then at least they've got some options of what to do. Well, they always have options, and most of the options we see is either they bark and they lunge or they run and they hide. Or then they sh- they stay in one spot and they quiver and they shake. So it's either the fight, flight, or freeze state that they go into. And so let's refer to a client that I just saw yesterday. They have a husky puppy, and as I was walking down the driveway, 
So they had a shared driveway, like a- How old's the puppy? Oh, like 14 weeks old. Oh, wow. So pretty young. Yeah. And as I was walking down, you can tell if the if the puppy was confident to see me and, and happy, she would have run up to me and said hello and probably jumped on me. But you can see she stopped and she froze. So as I was walking down the driveway, I'm, I'm thinking, all right, she's off the lead in a long, long driveway where it's a shared communal area. Um, it was raining as well, which that doesn't make a big impact. She was happy to be mm. in the rain, which is good. But the way she stopped and she looked at me, I can already tell there that she, she should be, she would be a little bit unsure of me. So as I was walking down the driveway, I was just getting my Frankfurts ready um, to then give her some food as I walked up. And she did bark a couple of times. I just started dropping food on the floor. And then she started to see that she was cool with me. But the point and she's, of- And she's still in the critical period. So this is important yeah, stuff. 14 yes, weeks. Definitely. So yeah. as I explained to them as well, like- why you need to have good management, set her up for success now, because if she's in the shared driveway off the lead 10 meters already away from her owners, then she is presented with something scary. Then what is she going to do? She's going to bark. The part person walks away. Then she's been reinforced, which then means that she barks at strangers. Mm. We don't really want her to be scared of strangers that she has to bark at them to keep them away. But without that good management, they couldn't make, set that situation up for success for her. And, um, even though like through the session, she was still a little bit unsure of me, but with lots of food and with the things that we're going to cover today, she started to be a little, like a lot more relaxed around me. Yeah. But yeah, if you, so management, why is that important? Well, first of all, she's not on a lead in the harness for such a young puppy or even for an older dog, not secure on a lead, then she can run away and go hide and then she gets herself in trouble, like gets hit by a car or something. Mm. Or if she's fearful and then she goes into an aggressive state of mind and then she runs up to someone to bite them, well, then we're already, we've, it's bad for everybody. So what I would suggest for her is to be on a long lead in the driveway and as soon as I'm coming down, if you know your puppies, because like I don't know the puppy was fearful. It was the first time I met them. Yeah. Obviously, I read the body language, but I'm not. But not every Joe understands how to read the body language properly. So they should. What they're going to learn is assess her body language in the moment. Oh, she's a little bit unsure. With that um, lead in the harness, we. That's where playing the name game is really important. I'm, I've just posted something today, and today is the. The 8th of February. So you can always go back and check it out. But with a little Roddy puppy, we're playing the name game, which means we put a bit of pressure on the harness. We say the puppy's name. The puppy then runs up towards us. As the puppy runs towards us, we take the pressure off the lead and say, give the marker. So then the dog then really runs up to us to get their food. And doing something like that would really then show the puppy when I'm, when people are starting to come down the, driveway for example we can then call the puppy back to us of course you can still use a recall as well but um but doing the name game really charges up their name and also learning how to use pressure on the lead to show a don't resist the pressure of the lead but come towards the pressure yeah good things will happen and that way there then we can get her away from people so she because when she's 14 months old is she going to just stand there and bark and run away maybe not maybe she'll jump and bite and probably bite someone on the hand if they try to touch her so because people would assume if your dog's off the lead, so in the that's counter conditioning, right? Counter, yeah, for sure. Counter conditioning in regards to when you see people focus on me and reward, um, but it's more just about showing her. Let's just not put her into the situation where she's so close where she doesn't know what to do. Because people would assume if she's off the lead in the driveway, then people would assume that she's good, mm. and they'll go try to touch her, and then that's where people get bitten. So that then many- you've got a situation. A hundred percent, especially when you when people are coming in out of their driveway and and we haven't got good control over the dog. We just don't want dramas with our neighbours. We don't want the dog to to um get reinforced for the behaviour we don't want her to do. Mm. And then in total, it's more about like I thought about this yesterday when we were having the conversation. Is that 
you know, the comment went as, oh, I'm not good at dog training or I'm not a good dog trainer. No, I'm not teaching you to be a dog trainer. I'm showing you how to be a responsible dog owner. Yeah. Because we own the dog. You're the dog trainer. That's right. That's exactly. why they hired you. That's it. Yeah. And then and there was actually more interesting comments that that the gentleman made. He said, Oh, like, you know, I just get I I don't like to train the dog really. And I'm like, okay, let's break that down a little bit. Let's spend a couple of minutes on decoding what that means. So basically the conversation went um ended in I get impatient. And then I just go, screw it, I don't want to be doing training with the dog anymore. So it's perfect. It means that, well, if you do things correctly, you will probably get less frustrated because the puppy will actually start seeing some success. And if you start to see some small success within your training, well, then there's less time to get impatient because things are going good. And then you finish on them. If you start to get frustrated or patient, you finish the session anyway. Yeah. So you don't make any um, negative associations, but also you should finish on a positive note anyway. Mm. So the next time you come to training or doing stuff with the dog, the dog is engaged and wants to I- interact. So, um, so yes, yeah, so it's a responsible thing. If you're going to be in the shared driveway, the dog must be on a lead. Maybe he's overthinking what training means anyway. Like as in, you've got a new puppy. I mean, every every interaction, every time, every amount of time that you spend with the with the dog, that is training it. Hundred yeah. percent. You said it perfectly, man. Is that we should change the word to um, out of dog training and talk and focus it more on dog communication dog dog um you know understanding how dogs learn and the word training well that's way too loud yeah i don't know what happened that was weird that's all right <laughs> um the word training implies that we have to go out of our way to do the thing and you sh- definitely should but as you said every sorry, time sorry sorry yeah okay cool. yeah. So as i was saying um in regards to bah, 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 um what was i saying Lost my train of thought. Sorry. We had some technical issues for the second time in a row. So we're going to get on top of that. As soon as we finish, we'll probably mess around with it and, and check that out. Yeah. But look, um, yeah, change the word from dog training and let's talk about dog communication. Now, that sounds really woo-woo and no one wants to call their business dog communication. But the word training does put a lot of pressure on you. Like if you're going to go to the personal trainer, he knows the anatomy of the body and how to strength you. You should then go and practice those that homework. You're essentially being a personal trainer for yourself yeah it's the same thing with your dog so you know but having a dog on a lead and good management that's not being a good dog trainer that's just being a responsible dog owner i had a friend um like well i have a friend and he had a little puppy and the puppy was like 10 weeks old or something and this is a big screw up right and it was a big lesson learned is that he came over to my house to do a little bit of training and hang out a little and he um and then when we were leaving, he walked the puppy off the lead to the car. I'm like, bro, like your puppy's got to be on a lead all the time. Like it's way too young to be off the lead. He's like, no, but he's he's been really good. I'm like, has been good. Until but he's you, not, you know, yeah. even on that day, like it was questionable whether that dog was going to run onto the road to say hi to the neighbors. He he kind of did a little bit, but he grabbed the puppy. So it's all it's management, management, right? Now, literally a week later, the the puppy got hit by a car and died. Oh fuck! And oh. I'm such a good, I'm close with my friend to call him and to say sorry to hear and everything else, which is I genuinely felt it. But we're close enough for me to say, bro, I hate to say it, but like, didn't I tell you? And he's like, you totally did. I'm like, I hope that it becomes a lesson for the next time for him, right? Is that, you know, the dog may be awesome, but, you know, it's a puppy, for example. So we're talking a lot about puppies. But even the fearful dog, you take the fearful dog outside would and you, her reaction is to run away. What are you going to do with no Would leader? you let a... A, t- a one to two year old child that's just learned to walk 
or run, would you just let them loose on the driveway? No chance exactly. you'd do that. And if you are, you're 100% so supervised. You and, and how fast does a dog run? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, if you have a fearful dog and her reaction is to run away from strangers and you're out on the street, what's the chance that she's going to run onto the road and get hit by a car? Or run into another person, that person tries to grab her and then she bites them. So, management, management, management. I just, we can't get enough of using that. And every single episode, I try to bring that into it because without good management, you're not setting yourself up for success, mm. period. The next subtopic here is um, no touch, no talk, no eye contact. So, this is, um, a, this is, defines what ignoring means. Yeah. You, and Michael Ellis was, um, was it was in one of his little mini um, YouTube clips on Lieberg talking about um, he was talking to trainers about how to like when you when we're told to ignore a dog so as a dog trainer we know how to ignore a dog you just right now as we're talking is how I would be if the dog was there you told me to ignore I'd be acting right as as I am right now is where most people if you tell them like a visitor that comes over hey ignore my dog. Then, and then they start acting stiff and trying not to look, but doing the big whale eye or like acting all awkward. Yeah, like, that, that's not ignoring, right? You're like, I'm, uh, I'm ignoring the dog. It's like the exactly. dog's reading your body language. Dog's looking at it going, what's yeah. wrong with that person, right? Yeah, you've already reacted exactly. Mm. So you want so um, no touch, no talk, no eye contact. Does this that if you're entering the home and you tell your vis- your visitors no touch, no talk, no eye contact. First of all, it's very clear about what you want them to do. Don't tell them. Do your version of ignoring. And the good thing about doing the no touch, no, no talk, no eye contact is that first of all, the dog's scared of you and giving space. Me staring at the dog is just freaking the dog out and giving them an, um, a pre-warning that I may now potentially approach you. Then that's when the dog starts to react, whether it runs away or starts lunging and barking. Mm. So, um, and no talking is that we don't have to like say anything to the dog unless you're giving a marker or a command. What do you, what are you talking to the dog for? It doesn't understand what you, what you're saying. And then the no, um, and then the no touch, right? It's pretty clear. If you're scared of me, I shouldn't touch you. I've been teaching that to Rach because Chloe still barks when we go and visit mum and dad. Mm-hmm. She's got this thing with the front door. Like, yeah, she, she barks. <clears throat> I said to Rach, no touch, no talk, no eye contact. Until Perfect. until Chloe comes di- calms down, yep, and it works. Hundred percent. Takes like two minutes. Yeah, two minutes later, we're usually in the back room sitting on the sofa. Anyway, mm-hmm. she's calm. We invite her over, and then we give her a pat. Perfect. You know, it's uh, it's. If unfortunately, was- I think we're the only ones that do it. Okay, so <laughs> that's where it falls apart, and that's probably why she still does it every time we open the door. Because again, there's that Sapolsky thing. She's mm-hmm. testing when does it happen and when does it not. Yes, I guarantee you. When my mum walks through the door and Chloe barks and jumps, she pats her. Mum pats her. Yeah, and gives her affection. Yeah. Look, it's um, I'll bring it back to what happened yesterday. So when I was with my clients, they said the day before I came, so two days ago, the plumbers came over, and he said to the like, I don't know what he actually said to him, but he said. The plumber was like egging her on, like, come on, touch me. It's all right. Trying to approach her. The dog's barking, 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 running circles around him. And he's engaging with the puppy, intimidating it, essentially. And then the owner said, I wasn't sure if I should. And I'm like, you are 100% sure that you should be saying something to the person who's in your house who's scaring you. Now, we don't know the magnitude of, Mm. like, when someone sees a young puppy being scared, they don't know the importance of it, like critical period stuff, right? So, it's like, eh, you know, dogs bark, whatever. What I would have done was straight away, first of all, I'm not educating the plumber to start telling him what to do. If he's a sound guy, then I could tell him, hey, here's some food and um, just start dropping food. We're going to talk about leaky toddler next. He's like, just start leaky dropping- Leaky toddler? The leaky toddler. Yeah. We'll get to that. But we drop the food on the ground, so then the dog learns it. 
Or you pick the puppy up, you put it into the backyard or into its pen. Like you just manage a situation, put the puppy on a, on a lead and start getting focused. Do your look command and do the name game. Like do stuff to build focus rather than reactivity. So, um, if you're scared of me, if we, if we, if I came over to your house and said, Hey, Rach is scared of you. And then I looked at her, talked to her and then approached her to touch her. What is she going to do? She's, She's going to react scared, somehow. Yeah. She'll be more scared and she'll either flight and go to the bedroom and sit there and until I leave. She sits there and pretends like nothing happens or she punches me in the head. That's why she <laughs> leaves every time we do the podcast, man. Sorry, I got to break it to you. <laughs> Damn. I'll come over with Frankfurt's next time. <laughs> Maybe $100 she bills. She likes chocolate. Chocolate, yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it's important that when we think of it like that, it's like obviously why would we do it to a dog? We think – I don't know if it's, a, if it's a human phenomenon or if it's just something that's more – um, an Australian cultural thing is that we want to like look at the dog and go, it's okay, I'm all right, I love dogs, don't worry, you should love yeah. me. Like that's freaky to the dog. So, Anthropomorphic, isn't it? I think so because with a child you go, it's okay, I'm all yeah, right. Yeah. You know, you it kind of explain your situation. But um, with the dog who doesn't get it, we're like maybe in – like we talk all the time. I think we are talking about street dogs and I was speaking with my client last week about street dogs in Vietnam is that, you know, people just walk past the dog like it's a yeah. pigeon, yeah. like no one cares. Yeah. Where if we see a stray dog in um, down the street in Ramsgate, people are going to be trying to approach the dog if they're like trying to help it, right? So, um, so you, you just got to ignore the dog and let the owners take control over the situation. You make the calls, and then if they don't know, and you're listening to this, and you're the visitor, well, then you know what to do. Mm-hmm. Just leave the dog alone, and then maybe if if you know that the dog's scared, have something with you, and just when you know, or ask, hey, do you have some food? I'm just going to drop the food down. Okay, let's talk about Leaky Toddler. Leaky Toddler is coined by um, Chad Mackin, a trainer in the US. Thanks, and Chad. Thanks, Chad. You're awesome. Yeah, cool. um, he um, he says, where does the dog hang out where the child's on the baby, um, on the high chair? The dog's always hanging out at the bottom of the high chair because that's where the food gets dropped. Yeah. So, Leaky Toddler, right? Um, and if you practice this, so- we have this thing in our head that we have to give the dog the food. Well, if the dog- Like actually ha- hand it. have them eat it out of your hand. Exactly. Yep. Ideally, I do practice that with when I'm training. I, I generally don't like to drop the food on the floor. Do you think- Is that because it encourages them to eat off the floor? Yeah, I don't want yeah. them to be scavengers. And like, you know, it, it's better to get from my hand, I prefer. But there's exceptions. If the dog's scared, then we go that and- Like can, with the husky puppy. Exactly. Yeah. So, yesterday, like, while I was explaining- There's no way she's going to come and take it out of your hand yeah, straight away. E- exactly. Yeah. And then, But eventually she did, but yeah. in, initially, no way. Yeah. So then, And I don't need to. So, if I'm- if we're sitting at the table and I'm at your, at the friend's house and the scared dog's there, I don't even say anything. I just start dropping food on the floor. And then if I did that every day for five days, what's going to happen when I rock up? The dog's going to be hanging close to me going, he drops food on the floor. Then we can start slowly start interacting with or well, putting your hand out. The dog takes the food from your hand. Then you can like while you're feeding, start desensitizing it to touching. Yeah. And you can start doing things like that. Um, so the leaky toddler is now, if you like, if the dog has a marker, you say yes and drop it. Yes and drop it. You can do that, but you're not necessary. You don't have to give a marker. You can just start dropping food. Um, so that's the leaky toddler. And that's what I did with, um, with that dog yesterday. And by the end of the session, now she had some other little things that we had to work on, like wearing a harness she was scared of. So you can see that when we have a fearful dog, they may not just be fearful to the thing. Mm. They may then be, I'm fearful to a range of things. And those range of things are anything that steps me out of my comfort zone. That's why we do hard things to step ourselves out of the comfort zone so we can develop and grow. As people, we, we do that willingly, but animals are in a survival state. They don't want to do that. So we need to guide them to get out of their comfort zone. 
And out of the comfort zone is the only place where we start to develop and create new habits. And like last week's episode, we talk about teaching old dogs new tricks. Well, find the motivation, control the situation, and knowing like, you know, their their particular situation. Like if a puppy's young, then we know that we've got to do more work with it and we're easy to shape it. If the dog's eight years old and scared and has been scared, it's a lot more management than training initially because training may take more time yeah. because dogs are in habit and they've rein- they've been reinforced for years and years and years of the behavior, but um, but it's never impossible. So, um, which then leads me to the next point, talking about regular training, walking, and and having a marker. So, if you live with a fearful dog. Let's go through everything real quick. Is that all right? I know that when people, let's just say that the dog's scared of people. So we know that every interaction that new people are coming over, the lead's on. I have a, um, I, I know how to tell people what to do. You can even put a sign up no touch, no talk, no eye contact before you come into the house. Just ignore my dog. Perfect. Then at least people have visually saw it. Um, have some food at the front door so you can tell your, your visitors drop the food. And then, of course, I now have the opportunity to get that dog's attention. So if I have a marker on the dog and the dog understands what a marker is, then from there we can then go the person approaches the, the, the house, mark it, and reward it. Or just like we talk about reactivity in dogs is that we want to bring focus back to us, whether we play the name game, using a bit of pressure mixed with some luring to show when you see that, when you see Luke come through the door, focus on me and I'll give you treats. Using your look command. The look command. Yep. Such a valuable thing. It's, it's an intermediate thing in terms of teaching the dog what you want them to do. And with regular training and exercise, you're able to get that in a harder situation. You don't practice training in around the hardest stimulus in the world. You do it. When there's low um, stimulus, low distractions, low distraction, yeah. then we slowly build on what the dog's going to be exposed to. And of course, as we said before, walking, you know, tired dogs are calm dogs, right? So if you can do this before. Most of the time. Most of the time, in theory, right? <laughs> I said it and you were like, most of the most time. Most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, like Asterisk, <laughs> most of the time. Exactly. Yeah. Well, like, you know, you said, like, if um, when Chloe comes over, she's if she went for a walk before visitors yeah. were coming, it'd be, a, she'd take the edge off. I her. think that's her thing. Like, she's, um, uh, we worked it out because she's she's a rescue dog, so we don't know 100%, but she's like either 12 or 13. But, man, if you saw her, for the people listening to this, like she act, most people think she's like a year old or two years old because she doesn't have any gray in her snout. Yeah. And she jumps around like a maniac about yeah. <laughs> And she generally gets walked twice a day. After her walk, she's super chill. Mm-hmm. What choice does she have? She's tired. She'll yeah. just go to sleep and relax. Easier. But she does tend to- um, get wound up quite easily i think because she's such a high energy dog yeah that's small it. you know small breed for sure um pomeranian maltese, maltese i think yeah yeah so very high energy mm. and they and dad and mum walked that out of her which yeah. is what you need to do 100 percent. well like you know exercise um encourages the, the the happy hormones and endorphins here comes that rain again i can just hear it in my headphones just picking it up it was so intense on the way here yeah it was like it was a tidal wave coming down the street yeah wow it's crazy like I've got a four-wheel drive. Um, yeah, so these are th- those are like being proactive about it and keeping the main thing the main thing. Like if you know that you want to deal with react- her reactivity or her fear, um, building her confidence is what you want to do. You don't want to just manage her around the fear. You want to build confidence so she can deal with fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when people are coming over like through your training r- um, routine, then you have a bed command, for example. So you tell the dog where to go. So then she can feel safe when no one can interact with her. And when you're out in the street as well, well, like 
because like we don't want to give this is another thing as well is that we don't want to give a, too much of a crutch to our dog to be like oh you're scared so now everything is off limits like that's it was it's our limitations that 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 are our dog's limitations so you know like if she's a big strong dog like a you know a lab cross that's really powerful and she's a little bit scared of cars and you have her on a harness because you don't want to you know have her on an effective tool because you don't know how to use it well of course learn how to use it, learn how to use a martingale, for example, so you can control the head. Because what happens is we put the dog on a harness and we're like, oh, she's a bit scared. I don't want to put too much pressure on her. Then the bus goes past, she freaks out and pulls and runs away and you have no other choice but to run with her or put all this pressure on her and let her um, freak out and start um, whirlwinding down the street. Very hard to control. She's on a harness, you get the oppositional reflex. Yeah. Do you think for a dog that big, can a front clip harness still work or is it too big? It it can, but you're not controlling the head. Yeah. And if you can't control the head, you can't control the body as effectively. Yeah. With that little puppy, um, for sure, it will definitely work. But we, because she only started wearing the harness yesterday, the little husky, clipping on the back until she's confident enough that we can clip it on the front. And then when you watch that little um, puppy, Roddy, that I was working with doing the, the, um, the name game thing, Having on the front there, you can see we can like spin his body around. Right. So, with the husky, you th- at first, you didn't clip on the front. No. Actually, I, I just had it on the back and just had the lead on the ground because she was still getting used to the sensations. But okay. she'll get used to it over the next um, – because she's scared of the harness because it's like something's wrapped on my body. She's trying to bite it, carry on. So, every single training session, if we do three to five sessions a day, three to five minutes each session, every session we always clip the harness on with the lead la- attached on it. So she's becoming desensitized to the harness and associating it with something positive. And then the more she starts- With the food, you mean? With food, yeah. yeah. So we're luring her and getting her to sits and down and come. You say something? No, no. Um, so then, yeah, we practice that. She starts to get um, desensitized to it. And then she goes, cool, the harness is on. It's time for walking and getting fed, right? Yeah. And- um, but yeah, with a big dog, as I was saying before, is that if she's, if the dog starts to like run from the, um, from the bus, for example, well, first of all, people would argue, Hey, man, you're way too close. For sure. When you're counter conditioning, you want to find the, um, the appropriate distance from the stimulus and then slowly, gradually get closer and closer to start to, um, make more positive experiences. But life is life, man. And things happen and cars come out of nowhere sometimes right if you're walking on the street of course a car's going to drive past or a person may come out of the driveway or a dog will present itself so if the dog learns to run really quickly and pull you over then that's her reaction where we want to teach her let's have the confidence enough to follow me and if you can follow me and i'll and i'll protect you as well like most dogs aren't going to run up to you and, and jump on you let alone attack you yeah and we're talking about that acronym of fear false evidence appearing real is that most things that dogs are legitimately scared of uh legitimately not a danger yeah you know it's just in our own mind we've gone oh yeah that i've never seen a human before and that's why i'm scared of him or i saw a human once and he kicked me with steel caps and now i'm scared of everyone like not every person's a, um, a, a threat so we want to show the dog hey you've, you've got to follow me and i'll guide you through it and i'll also protect you this is another important bit you're walking down the street and you've got a dog that's scared and you know it can potentially bite especially being on the lead you've taken away her flight path so you walk down the street and then someone goes, oh, cute dog, go to touch. You need to be the person to have the confidence to pull your dog behind you, step in front of your dog, put your hand down and be like, excuse me, don't touch my dog. My dog's fearful and may potentially bite you. Even if the dog isn't going to bite you, you say that. Even if it's a 14-week-old puppy and they're like, 
Whoa, what kind of puppy is this? Yeah, for sure. You yeah. should say it because people should be aware that you can't just go touch dogs expecting that you're like God's gift to dogs and that you can touch them and heal them. Like you need to have the confidence and not feel embarrassed to be like, don't touch my dog. My dog is scared. And um, and in that way, they, at least your dog sees that you represent your dog and you have its back. Yeah. Do you go up to everyone you see on the street and like pat them on the head and like cool. scratch their belly? How awkward would that yeah. be? Freaking weirdo. Yeah, exactly. You did that. So, why assume that every dog you see on the street- Like, I get it. I love dogs and I like- I, I, I want to do it. I'm mm-hmm. probably been guilty of that in the past, but- 100%. Likewise. At the very least, um, ask the owner. Ask and invite the dog into your space. This is a really good one. If you're sitting down and the dog's over there, if I go, hey, and if I like tap my leg and the dog comes to me, then at least I know the dog wants to come mm. up to me, but I don't- If he doesn't, then he maybe he's not into it. And that's cool too. Yeah. You have the kibbutz stop and you say hi to someone, they're like, and they kind of like nod their head, but they continue looking at their phone or something. That's the interaction. Yeah. It could be that you have a mad conversation or you don't. Who knows? So, um, so yeah, so respect the dog space and you can get leads and collars. They say nervous and fearful and all this stuff. No one's reading the collars, man. Like we're talking about the ignoramus walk down the street. He sees a dog and pats it. Like he's got his own things to think about. It's up to you to have situational awareness to know what's happening around you and to represent your dog um, appropriately. I've seen a few dogs wearing the harness that says, like, in training, yeah. that kind of thing. Like, yeah, like you said, you represent the dog. Yeah. Look, it's cool, man. I get it. Like, especially if you're, like, a work dog and you've got a vest on going, hey, I'm at work, don't, like – like, we saw that ad. Like, I don't think they do it anymore. Um, talking – was it about – was it the blind dogs? Yeah, there was a blind dog ad. And they were saying, like, when the dog is – like, so they had, like, the police guys and they had the German Shepherd approaching the, one of the cars, like it was, like, a detection dog or something, and then someone pops out of nowhere and goes, oh, you want a chip? Or like, you know, there was like these, we all like, and it was a guide dog ad going, when you're, when the, when the working dogs are at work, we know not to disturb them. But with the guide dogs, people are coming and pat them. Yeah, right. So it's a different thing. Of course, you don't want to disturb the guide dog at work because it's guiding someone who can't see. But we should have the same mentality to every dog because you don't know its story, right? Yeah. Um, and putting your hand out to let a dog smell your hand is a bad idea. You're giving Trying a dog to something to bite. Yeah. The dog can smell you whether you put your hand out or not, right? So, um, approaching dogs is its, whole, whole, is its own thing. And there's a video up there on my YouTube channel talking about how to approach dogs. So, definitely check that out. It's good skills to have. We'd, maybe we'll dedicate a whole something to it. Um, but at this stage, just- I think you did a Q&A did I? on that. Cool. I don't know. Man. We start, I, think we I looked this morning. Track. We're up to like um, 25 episodes, yeah. including all the Q&As. Yeah. As of tomorrow, there's a, there's a Q&A coming out tomorrow morning, Sunday morning. So, that's yeah. like- Yeah, it's hard to keep track gonna, of them. We're going to start- um, yeah. losing, That's all right. It's cool. And it's, they do um, overlap. So, somewhat, sure. of course. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the three Ps. So, this is the last point I've got for living with fearful dogs. For now, maybe we'll do a volume two of this one because mm. there's like there's so many things to cover and to talk about. But the three P's is practice, patience, persistence. And this isn't just for dog training. This is for skill building. It's life. Yeah. You want to be good at lifting weights? Well, then you got to practice it. Be consistent with it. You've got to have the patience to see things through. Don't wait. Don't expect the quick fix. No. You don't go into the gym and drop 100 kilos on your chest and <laughs> kill yourself. And you're training you know, the first time you've ever bench pressed. Yeah, And exactly. you go in there and you're trying to bench like your own body weight for yeah. reps. It's like yeah. take it down a notch. Mm-hmm. Have yeah, the patience like, and the yeah. humility to, to do it properly. It's the same with the dog, right? Totally agreed. And persistence, right? So, 
to back up the patience thing is that you don't go there and drop the 100 kilos on your chest. You go, I'm going to start with 20. I'm going to try to get a good, nice, te- uh, a good set out of doing it with good form. And then mm. with persistence, if I'm keep on coming and keep on practicing, then in a year's time, we start to see some progress. So we need to adapt this to our training with our dog. If you know your dog's scared, there's not, your dog's not going to not be scared tomorrow because you've done a magical technique. Yeah. It may even take a year until you start seeing some real good change. You may have a rescue dog and you may not ever overcome this fear 100%. You just need to do some good management. And look, if you're doing stuff, you will start seeing improvements. And even if the trainer gives you a good management um, technique and that the dog never really feels like it has to display behavior again and never has to feel that stressed, like you're still winning. You know what I mean? Obviously, it's ideal that the dog can hang out with people and be happy, friendly with all dogs, people and stimuli. But um, but persistence is something that people fail at because they try it for a week and they're gone. Oh, dog training didn't work. That's like the client yesterday with the husky, right? He's like, I get frustrated and I give up. Yeah, I don't like training. Mm-hmm. Well, you, when I started training dogs, I had no real patience. Um, and through the process of learning dog training, I started to develop patience, mm. and now I'm a little bit more patient. So when someone's talking, I like to listen. Except for here, I got a microphone in my face. I feel like I have to talk, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, I don't know. How have you, like, some of the things that you saw with Chloe? Because she was fearful. Like, yeah. what are some of the improvements you saw in the last few years? Well, I mean, since you worked with her, she's, like I said, I've said this before in episode one, like, she's a completely different dog. And um, I guess being a rescue dog, we don't know entirely her backstory, but the behaviors she was displaying were all fear based. Yeah. Right now, when you okay, I'll ask the question of you. Then, when mm-hmm. you first met Chloe, what was your first impression? Like that, that she was a fearful dog. Or I've got to try to remember that first set, um, session with her. Look, I know that when I first met her, I didn't put my hands on her for a, for a good like half hour. Mm. I just let her hang around me. I'm trying to think if I did the session. The first session was at my house. I think was it. Yeah, I I mom, but I do remember like the, some of the issues that we had with her was um, with the bed. So, she wouldn't let dad on the bed yeah. when mum was in there and, yeah, she was just- And uh, with oh, dogs. And, and other dogs. Like, yeah. the, the, initially, it was- um, You could barely walk her because she would sit- As soon as she saw a dog, didn't matter how far away sure. it was, it was just like she'd start yeah. to shake and yes. she'd start to whimper. I remember and then that. She'd, if it was close enough, she'd lunge. Mm-hmm. So, we did do the first session at my house for some reason. And what we did from my place was that we- um, started doing all the things that I normally start with in regards to the start doing a, mark, a charging of the marker. Yeah. I think your mum walked her on a harness at that stage and I showed her how to use a martingale collar. So, you can get small martingale collars for small dogs. Yeah. And Hers um, doesn't have a chain because she's so little. Yeah. Like, you can get small martingales with chains on it, but the, the people that I use don't make the chain on it. Yeah. And it's not really super necessary. I prefer it if it did, so I may- Get out there and That's outsource. more for conditioning, right? Like the, the noise of the chain? The noise of it. And also, like, it can, like, bounce back quicker. Like, when you put pressure on it, releases. Look, the uh, one that I'm using now does release. Still just as good. But um, but the chain does add effect to the yeah. to any correction. But it's mainly for the safety so the dog doesn't slip out of it. And number two is that we get that control over the head. So, we did a bit of walking with Chloe to show her this is what, a, this is what walking on the lead should look like. Yeah. Once you teach her- how to follow the rules of the walk. Now, of course, that's going to take time. In one session, we kind of jumped around a little bit to give some general technique because another thing is as a trainer, I teach your parents how to walk the dog on the lead, 
But then until I see you in another two weeks, you're going to encounter dogs. So then we pulled my dogs out to show them what should we do at this stage of when we see dogs. And she did. When she saw um, Spades and Nookie, she was like, she yeah. was like jumping oh, oh, and she's starting to get overwhelmed. So practicing that look command and sometimes your look command won't work. Let's talk about fear um, in regards to what does it do to the body. So I know this is true for humans and I'm pretty sure it's, it's true for dogs is that when we're in the, I keep on getting it wrong. Is it the parasympathetic nervous system, which we are into a fight, flight, and freeze I think mode? so. Parasymp- and then the sympathetic nervous system is when you're like calm or like in a desired it's a, state. It's one or the other. One or the other. Don't so, quote me. Don't quote us. <laughs> don't quote me. But I know like, so for example, when you're in the state of mind that you are fight, flight, and freeze, you're fearful, you're insecure. Ironically, you're- I think mum actually knows this through her, through yoga. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I'll ask her. Yeah. We'll Google it as, well yeah. as soon as we get off and be yeah. like, hey, was that one? But you can Google it. We've got an encyclopedia in our pocket, all, every, most of us anyway. Yeah. So, um, so when we go into this, um, particular mindset, you're in survival, right? And in survival, you, what happens is we're flooded with a lot of adrenaline and cortisol. And that helps us deal with the, the threat that's in front of us, you know, the saber toothed tiger coming into yeah. the camp. So, um, but when that happens, our organs can be affected by all the adrenaline in our blood. So then blood rushes from our digestive system out of the digestive tract and into the the main organs to protect it. And what happens with that is that you start to feel the butterflies, you start to feel nauseous. So when you're going to go up and do that, and we've spoken about this, is that when you went to go do that speech, you may have been nervous. So when you're nervous, you feel your stomach like in a knot. That is the feeling of blood leaving the digestive system. So if that's the case and you feel nervous and you, and you feel nauseous or sick, then when a dog is faced with the scary thing, she may be going through the same process. We're trying to shove food down her face. But it's like, oh, two seconds ago, she took the food. Now she won't take it. Well, it's because now she's faced with the, the, the danger and the threat and she's in survival mode and she won't take the food. So when we're doing look commands and teaching things like that, like training concepts that she may not be motivated by that anymore. So then that's why having the collar on, when she saw spades and nooking, she got all wound up, I needed some control physically. Because if I just let the lead be loose, she would have lunged at the dogs and run at them to try to bite them. Poor spades. He puts up with a lot, doesn't he? Yeah. Shout out to spades. He's, he's not here he's today, over. but he's a, no. he's a rock. Right now, I think he's sleeping on his bed. Um, <laughs> well earned. Yeah, he's a good guy. I love that guy. And... um Yeah, so what happened with Chloe, I remember now in the first session that she, so we started walking together and she was lunging towards Nookie and I had to put pressure on her be like, you're not allowed to do that. Someone needs to take control over the walk. Yeah, and you represent your dogs in that situation. That too, for sure. Um, Chloe needs to learn how to be on the lead. Now, people will disagree with this because they come from different methods of training and they go, why are you putting pressure on a dog that's stressed? Well, she's putting pressure anyway. Well, any dog on a leash is by definition has has pressure on it. Well, at some stage, put some pressure yeah. on her, especially if she's lunging. So, yeah. how I like to deal with it, and it works, and it's worked for Chloe, because she can walk past dogs now, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, is that um, I need to teach her the rules of the walk. And when I say pressure, we're not like choking the dog out, and we're not like going crazy with her in terms of like hard corrections. No. Where if she went to go in front of me to get towards Nookie, the pressure goes onto the collar. As soon as she comes back next to me, I release the pressure. i got to show her that it's more important to be focusing on the on the job that you have rather than everything else that's around. So we did um, and the next session happened at my house again. And then we did another one at your parents' place because she did have the issue with, now this was a resource guarding thing. This was when she was on the bed and she was growling at whoever was yeah, trying so to get mom back onto would the go bed. To, mom would go to bed and, and dad was out because dad was working late and Chloe would 
Mum would let Chloe onto the bed. I think they'd be asleep and then dad would come home. I'm guessing it's late at night, so it's dark mm-hmm. and Chloe just would not let him yeah. onto into the bed. And then even your mum was scared to get her off at yeah, some stage. Because she too. would get so wound up that she redirected she aggression maybe bite your mum. Yeah. So you can see how maybe the fear has made her be a reactive dog that that's showing her how she gets things. And also the resource guarding is its own thing, but she also learns, well, if I am faced with some sort of challenge, I just get a little bit narky and aggressive and start to show teeth and lunge and potentially bite. Um, and that's how I get things, right? And instinctively, it's perfect. If you're strong enough and, you, and you're compassionate enough to be strong enough for the rest of the, the pack, but also um, compassionate where you can still make good connections so they don't take you out, then that's, that's, that's a natural way of living. So we want to take some of that out of her and show her that when I say get off the, the bed, you got to get off the bed with no conflict and hopefully with as much um, positive reinforcement as possible so then the dog wants to do it. But we also know that, well, she may not want the food. She may just want to sleep in bed. So then we showed how to use the lead. So, and I think our third, se- our fourth session, we did, um, she struggled with being on her own while we jumped in the, in the water. So we tied her up and we showed her how it is to go away, come back, go away, come back and see how when we're dealing with fear in dogs, it starts to bleed over into other areas. So once you have a general structure and you practice, be patient and be persistent with all of your training, everything makes these connections. And make if you want to be a strong individual, try to be strong in all areas of your life rather than if you want to be good at business and then you neglect your family and your own personal things, then you're not really successful, are yeah. you? Um, it's the same with dogs. We want to show them that they can be in control of their environment and their behavior. Um, and maybe one last thing I'll add is that, um, and I and I initially heard this from Tyler Muda, and I um and I always believe this to be true, but I didn't put in the words that I heard from him was that we don't change mindset just by changing mindset. You change mindset by changing behavior. And my way of explaining that to people is that if you're getting really anxious, and someone came up to you and says, "Hey, calm down, stop it, calm down," like that doesn't make you more calm. It makes you worse. Probably yeah. make you worse. But what I could do, because again, I'm trying to make you change mindset. But if I went up to you and said, hey, I see you're a little bit stressed. Let's just close our eyes and to count to 10 with nice deep, deep breaths. And you notice doing that, you can start to influence your mindset because you're influencing your behavior. Um, and the mind and the body do talk together because they're part of the same organism. And when I slammed, I slammed the, the car door on my finger a couple of weeks ago and I fully shut on my finger and that sucked. The but- new car? No, it was the old car. Mm. So um, it was my, it was paying, <laughs> paying me back. Um, no, so I shut the door on it and it was in such an intense, like it was right at the tip of my finger, Ooh. like, you know, it really hurts under the nail there. And I was like in a state, I ran inside and I was like getting the ice on it. And I was like, you know, when you're hyperventilating, so you start putting yourself into like a, into that state of mind where you're like really jittery and, and like, and frustrated, feel like you're going to kind of faint sort of thing. Um, not that I wasn't that bad, but like I was in a lot of pain and I, then I had my wife going, are you okay? What's wrong? I'm like, I just need to like shut mm. off. So I went to the room, closed the door and I breathed nice and deep for about five minutes. I swear the intensity of the pain like minimalized like by an eighth by just influencing my reaction to the, to the event. And the same sort of thing when I, um, when you're dealing with fear, let's talk a little personal experience before we wrap up is, um, I used to be like quite significantly like scared of the, the of the dark. Mm. Um, not like if I was in the dark, I'd like have a panic attack, but I would have this like thing about. Was that after your 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 incident? You um, got- 
Look, like I think it probably was like intensified. Oh, you already after. had it before that. Yeah, like really? when I was as young, a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah and oh, stuff. I mean, every kid, a lot of kids have that, right? For sure. But then I think yeah, after I got after the stabbing, I think that just made me in a more of a um, of a survival state of mind. I hated mm. being in the mm. dark um, and things like that. But it wasn't like extreme. But it was enough for me to be like I was uncomfortable. And I did this. Um, we did this like Warriors weekend with um with the, with um, my shaman friend and wind. he with wind shout out wind rest in peace huh yeah rest in peace brother yeah good man we miss him every day yeah. but um amazing mentor he did this thing where like there was this course we had to do and there was different things like one of them was this is in the dark um or like out in the bush was that we one of them was we tied ourselves right arm and right leg to your to your buddy's left arm left leg and we had to go through this thing, one of us blindfolded through this like bit of an obstacle course through the bush. It was all like with logs and trees and shit. And um, that's like kind of like a, well, you want to be a, a warrior of the mind, you got to be able to communicate and work as a team. Yeah. And there was different things. And one, and on the, there was like this whole course that went around, probably went for a few hours. And he says, at one stage of the course, you will be attacked by somebody. So now he's planted the, the seed in your head, you'll be attacked. You, something's going to happen to you. And you're like, holy shit, what does that even mean? Um, anyway, so right at the end, the last leg, you had to walk like a, a kilometer through the bush back to camp and all on your own sort of thing. So the whole time I was walking, it's pitch black. You're not with anybody and you're in the middle of the woods. So like you don't know what's going to happen around you. And as we're walking, I um, had this thing in my mind. If we're going to get attacked by someone, someone's going to attack us now. Got right to the end. No one attacked us. And... I was like, cool. And then it was only a couple of days later, I was like reflecting on it going. And he did say that it was like a, a weekend to like um of the mind. It was mm. like focus on the mind. And yeah. what does that do, right? If someone says to you, you're going to get attacked, so then you've already planted the seed. And and for me, going through the dark was something that was, and after this, I haven't been scared of the dark since. Walking through there and I message went and I said to him, hey, you told us that someone will be, that someone will attack us. At some stage of the thing, you made us walk on our own, which means you're only on your own and the and the nature around you. I go, do you mean that sometimes we will attack our like our mind can turn and attack ourselves? Like the fear of of your of what you've projected onto the world would attack you more than actually getting attacked. And think about a scared dog. So the dog thinks, Luke coming in, oh my god, I'm gonna get attacked. Like that's the same thing as me walking through the dark and going, Oh my god. I've got this thing that someone's going to attack me. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, totally. Like, so face the fear and in that situation, that was the facing of the fear going, most of the time when I'm in the dark, my mind attacks itself, nobody and else often externally. often the fear can be so much worse than the actual, Ex- w- what you're perceiving might or might not happen. That's right. It was in a Will Smith movie. Um, I forgot. There was one with him and his son. Uh, it was- Pursuit of Happiness? No, nah, but like, no, the action one. Like, and they were like killing like the, the demons. Oh, the and zombies. Like, yeah, zombies or something. And they, and they can only, no, they were like aliens and they can only pick up because they couldn't see. They can only pick up the stress response. So like the hormones that were in your body. Yeah, so right. if you were scared, the alien will eat you where Will Smith can always walk through. I think that's, was that I Am Legend? No, I think Iron Legend is like the robot one, right? I don't know. Yeah, anyway, it was one of them and it was with him and his wife as well, his yeah. wife and his son and they're in the spaceship and that. Yeah. Anyway, and then- um, and they Oh, said, Independence like, Day? No. <laughs> no, not the alien one. Oh, man. We'll I'm, not a, one. I'm, not get, I'm not getting this. I'm not guessing very well here. <laughs> and he walks through and he says, danger is very real, but fear is a choice. Yeah, right. And I'm like, heavy. Now, you can't say that to your dog. You've got to show them that. 
You got to show them that there's always a way out of this situation. You got to have to try to put the piece of the puzzle together, mm-hmm. and we got to show that to them. So, anyway, like talking about my own journey is that now I can walk in the dark and not be scared. So, hallelujah to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the moral of the story is that you 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 try to identify what the dog is actually scared of, and then build confidence around it. So. Anyway, that's me talking about living with fearful dogs. I hope that all makes sense. It was good, man. I like yeah, that. That was a good one. Cool. I hope yeah. you guys enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, the usual um, request from us at the end, like, comment, share, review. Oh, I meant I wanted to um, read out a review we just got on iTunes. Give me yeah, a sec. Yeah, do that. Luke's going to find his phone to read a review. And yeah, we've been getting some really cool reviews on, on iTunes. So I'm really, really glad that you guys are enjoying the content we're putting out there. And um, much love to you all that left the review because it's good for us to know where where we're at with all of this and we want to know if we're actually making a difference. And, um, and it seems to be that we are. So much love to you all. all right, yeah. I'm back. I'm back. Had a few good ones. But this one, we got this one um, just this past Monday, actually. Um, unfortunately, the username is not like a, an actual name. So this is from... DMEA one two two nine two seven four. So I don't know if it's an actual human, but um, he says he or she says best podcast for dog owners. Wow, what knowledge! Thank you so much for sharing this great knowledge. Has definitely had a positive impact on my dog's behavior. I am so grateful for everything you share. Keep up the amazing work. Thumbs up emoji. So thanks for that. How good's that? You know, it only takes a few seconds to write something like that or just hit the stars button if you don't want to write something. Give us a dopamine hit, please. Yeah. It makes us feel good. <laughs> or just share an episode with a friend. Um, yeah, that really helps. That's too. all we ask. 100%. And um, the more people listen to this, um, the more we can grow it and um, hopefully have better content for you guys. So, that's it. That's it. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another show of Life With Your Dog. Please like, rate and share if you're enjoying our podcast. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. For all dog training videos, tips and techniques, visit nooches.com.au. Thank you and stay tuned for next time.